Hello, and I am Julie Holmes, and you are listening to The Smarter Sales Show. In this episode, we are expecting great things. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about expectations, goals, the Pygmalion effect, and airline departure times. Uh, One thing is for sure, you can certainly expect this episode to be interesting. So stay tuned. You are listening to The Smarter Sales Show, where sales challenges are solved with tech and technique so you can sell more and stress less. Please welcome your hosts, sales experts and funny ladies, Merit Khan and Julie Holmes. Welcome to the Smarter Sales Show, where sales professionals and business leaders tune in weekly for tech tips and technique tune-ups with a special focus on virtual selling. I'm Merit Khan. I'm the one with the magic sales words for you. And I am joined, as always, by my lovely and talented co-host, Julie Holmes. She's the one with all the magic sales technology. So today, we're kicking off a series of four episodes, our four-pack on setting expectations. Now, you're going to want to click the bonus link for uh, show in the show notes um, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or in the attachment section if you're watching us on video on the Sales Experts channel. So we're expecting you to click on those links and make sure you get all the freebie stuff that we've loaded up for you. Now, we know you have an expectation that we will deliver great content in every episode. So let's get smarter in sales. I love expectations because we get to get super nerdy and we get to really dig into some of the psychology behind this. And it's a little bit of a throwback for me to my education days when I was getting my master's degree in communication. And we were studying all of the different ways in which we influence communication and what influences the way we interact with other people. And let's be honest, expectations are a massive factor in that. Yeah. And the truth is, and Mary, you and I were talking about this over drinks the other night. The truth is you get what you expect. You get what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. I mean, when you think that you're going to have a good day, you know, it kind of goes that way. When you think it's going to, you know, somebody's going to behave in a certain way, like you just know how they're going to be, then they show up that way. And then we're not surprised. It's, it happens. I notice it like in every area of my life. Well, you know, that whole thing about people behaving a certain way, there's a cool term for that, which is called the Pygmalion effect, which honestly is just a great word in and of itself, Pygmalion. And so, you know, here's the thing, the Pygmalion effect. So the Pygmalion effect was discovered or or identified from a Harvard um, in a study they did in the sixties. And it was super interesting. Basically what it is, is that if I believe, or if I expect that you are going to behave a certain way, if I expect great things from you, I'm actually going to adjust my behaviors and my style to help you get there. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you more chances. I'm going to give you more coaching. I'm going to give you more positive reinforcement because I believe, and I expect you to do well. And I want to reinforce my expectation. So whether I do it intentionally or unintentionally, the Pygmalion effect is really like, even without meaning to, what we ultimately do is we set our, we set our surroundings and our environment up to deliver what it is that we expect. You know, I I just find that fascinating. I mean, the whole 
obviously I'm fascinated about everything having to do with the psychology of selling, but there's so many opportunities in a sales process or in a business, right? With our employees and our uh, new hires and our managers and ourselves, as well as with our customers, that we have all these expectations of all these people in all these different scenarios. And, you know, I think a lot of times it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If when we get good things, it's kind of like, well, I hired a top performer, so I expect to get top performer level results. Or, you know, my boss has a nasty reputation, so I expect it's going to be a nasty ride. And people show up in exactly the frame that we've painted for them. I think that's, I mean, you're absolutely right. And we see that all the time. And in fact, if we, you know, we're going to talk more, I think about kind of uh, over expecting and under expecting and, and, you know, all of those different pieces. And I, and I think it's worth even talking about expectations versus goals. Mm. So, you know, I always think it's quite interesting when people, you know, will say, oh, I have this goal, but if you really dig into that goal, they don't actually expect that they can achieve it. Ah. Oh. What right. So there, there, it's very, that comes back to this whole self-fulfilling prophecy, but what it also does is it's almost a huge misadvertising and mm-hmm. a misrepresentation. And so what ends up happening is you kind of, you know, and I, I've got teenage kids, right. I can kind of see this coming a mile away with them. Right. And I can even remember times when I would confuse goals with expectations where I would be like, yeah, I'm going to sell a million dollars this year. Right. And you get, you get hyped up on something. Right. And you, you, know, you go to some sales <laughs> motivation speaker and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, but you never really expect that that's what's going to happen. And without the expectation, you kind of don't build the systems and the processes and the infrastructure to deliver on those goals. Right. It's really easy yeah. to be like, well, it's not my fault that I didn't reach that goal. Yeah. It's not my fault. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I can remember working with this one woman. Uh, this was probably 20 years ago, early in coaching. And uh, she just had this expectation of coaching that everything was going to happen for her. Like all she had to do was hire me and like it would all magically work out. And happily, I knew back then and I still do this today when any anytime I you know start working with a client in a new coaching relationship, we have an entire conversation about expectations because it's not happening to you. It's happening with you. It's happening for you. It's, it's a co-creation and, you know, you have to lay out very clear expectations of how that works about, you know, uh, there's going to be work for you to do. There's things to read. There's, there's assignments, there's, introspection that's going to happen. Um, I get, I mean, even with this podcast, you know, we're setting an expectation in the very beginning of every episode, like, yeah, you know, you're going to get something worth listening to. So that allows you to listen in a particular way. We invite you to really listen, like something's going to change for you. Something's going to open up for you. And I think creating that expectation in all areas of our life, just really, really helps you step into that role. I think the other, another thing with um, expectations that's interesting, you know, I think about um, even just driving to the airport, right? Driving to the airport or driving downtown, 
if I know I'm leaving in rush hour traffic, I'm expecting traffic. Like it's rush hour. But if there's traffic, like it two in the morning, then I'm yeah. thinking like, <laughs> why is there traffic? Now I'm upset. Right. Yeah. So it's not the thing that causes the upset. It's what yeah. I expected of that thing. Yeah. You know, I go on a date. Like last night I went on a great date and I expected I was going to have a great date. I've been out with this gentleman before. We had a great time before. My expectation was I'm going to have a great date. But if I went in and I had that expectation. Wait, did you? I did have a great date. It was okay, a, all right. a great date. <laughs> okay. I was going to make sure he didn't under deliver. <laughs> no, he did not under deliver. He did not. But that's another That's another really important point on expectations, right? You know, you, you go in with a high expectation and it doesn't meet your expectations. Are you more upset? because you had a high expectation or is it just the yeah. same level of upset? I think, I think if I go in with a high expectation, then I'm even more upset if it doesn't meet it. But if I go in with like a, you know, well, it's just, I'm just going to be present and let's just see how this goes. I don't have such a high expectation. Then if it's a good time, then I'm, it's exceeded my expectations. But if it's not such a great time, at least I'm not that disappointed. Does that make sense? Well, it makes complete sense. But here's the interesting trick about that. The interesting trick, of course, is being honest with yourself about what your expectations are. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Because I think a lot of times we're like, I'm not expecting anything. Okay. This is every single friend of mine who's like, I didn't <laughs> get, um, you know, like I threw a party for my friend on her birthday. Um, and then when my birthday came around, she forgot to get me a card. Oh, like, you know, like that, you're that, that kind of mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, did you, you know, like, what were you legitimately expecting? Like, you can say like, well, I don't expect my friends to get me anything for my birthday. And that's complete and utter not true. Right. I can think yeah. of a lot of expletives right here, but that's completely not true. Right. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. this is comes down to whether two people can have the same exact experience, but have totally different reactions to it. And it almost invariably comes down to what their expectations were. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I, uh, on my, my most recent flight, which, uh, you know, there haven't been that many in the, in <laughs> pandemic, but I remember I had this conversation with my seatmate and, um, he, the flight was delayed, right? And he was really upset. And, you know, like, how could they delay this flight? And I got this really important thing to get to. And, right, he was really upset. I, on the other hand, had looked at the departure, uh, the on-time departure uh, percentages <laughs> of this particular flight. Yeah. And I knew... I don't know what's wrong with the airlines getting this particular plane off the ground on time, you know, in this particular route, but it had a lower percentage than what I would have liked to have seen. And I remember buying the ticket and pausing yeah. for a minute, like, ah, you know, that, that seems kind of like a low number for an estimated uh, departure on time, whatever it is, or on time arrival. And so my expectation was like, man, we'll see how this goes. And his was very high, like we must end on time. And uh, he was upset and I was fine. So I think, I think there's a lot to that. 
Yeah. All right. So let's, let's put this into perspective. So let's make this into the real sales world and how All right. it stands out. If we must. So it's really, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's make this actionable. <laughs> so you know, I, I worked for a lot of years, you know, the, the bulk of my career has been working in software sales and software, you know, the enterprise technology space. And so, you know, one of the areas where we see expectation setting, particularly um, being relevant in that space is around trials and POCs, proof of concepts. Mm. Now I have a phrase that I use all the time and I am freely giving it to everyone. Please use this phrase, feel free to quote me, but please feel free to use this phrase. And this phrase is, you can't claim success unless you name success. Ooh, love that. I know, look at that. It's got like all kinds of like English rhetoric tools in it. It's pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that one. But actually the reality of it is, is that a lot of times, especially in sales, but in all honesty, this is true throughout our entire lives, but especially in sales, what we do is say something like a proof of concept and a client says, or prospect says, yeah, this looks really good and it sounds really good but I want to do a proof of concept. Now, POCs for any industry, really, depending on how you do it, but POCs are, they're just a, a minefield, right? They are a minefield if you don't manage expectations, Yeah. right? You don't manage expectations and you don't manage what success looks like. And that's a huge part of it. So a lot of times there's a lot of salespeople and, and we actually ran into this at one of my old companies. And what we would see all the time is that we would basically be like, yeah, do you want to do proof of concept? And we would offer this proof of concept because it was an easy route to move the sale along rather than doing some of the harder work um, of actually having difficult conversation. We'd just be like, no, just go ahead and try it. Yeah, you just try it. it it'll <laughs> sell itself because we didn't want to have to sell it. So um, we would offer up these POCs and then the POCs would go nowhere. Like, and just imagine for a second, every time you've ever signed up for a trial of a product, oh yeah, this looks like a cool product. You sign up for a trial and then you never log in yeah. or you wait weeks and you don't log in or you log in and you kind of are like, mm, I don't know where I'm going to click on this. I don't know. I don't know what I'm really looking for. And this was really where I started to get super hung up about POCs. And I created this whole process around um, kind of this, this POC process and what had to happen in order for me to give a client a POC. And once I wrapped my head around this, that POCs had to happen in a certain way with really clear expectations of success, it completely changed my conversion rate on POCs. So where it was like, ah, 50, 50, we might get this POC to close. Now it was like 90, 10. And if it was that 10%, I knew exactly why that POC didn't close. That's so smart. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that you created a process for this. Like that's just, that's, well, that's your genius. That's what you do. But I love that you broke it down to say, you know, okay, this isn't working in the, in its current form. What can I take responsibility for and how can I shift just a couple of things that might make the experience a lot better for everyone involved. And I think that was a really smart way of looking at, you know, like what, how can I shift? You didn't shift anything about the POC itself. 
right? Well, actually, actually we did in this instance. Okay. So here, what we did with the POC process was instead of saying you can do a POC, we said, here are the three concepts that you are testing in this POC. Ah. Here is the proof that you are measuring and looking for in each one of these concepts. <laughs> and if we deliver that proof in that concept, does that meet your expectation? Yeah. And so, so before we were a like, challenge. If you like it, and if you like it, buy it. But now we were like, we're assuming that you've already decided you want to buy it. And what we're really doing in the proof of concept is brace yourself, proving, not demonstrating, not testing, not considering. We are proving that this concept will work for you in your environment, against your data, yeah. against your situation, against your expectations, whatever we're proving. And so it came back to, you know, what does POC actually stand for? POC stands for proof of concept. Have you agreed what the proof will be? And that was my realization that actually I hadn't been doing a good job of that. So mm -hmm. it completely changed the dynamic of those sales processes by looking at that expectation setting piece and saying to the client, you bet I'm happy to do a proof of concept. Here's how we run our POCs. We run our POCs as true proofs of concept. Now, what's the client going to say? Well, I don't actually want to prove anything. <laughs> You're not going to say that, are they? Right. So, you know, it's like, listen, you're going to invest time. And so am I, it's only fair that we sit down and say, here's what you're looking for. Here's the results that you're comparing it against, because this comes back to, you can't claim success unless you name success. Right. You can't just tell me that you want your reporting to be faster. What is faster? Is faster five minutes faster? Is, is five hours faster? Is, you know, what does success actually look like so that you and I can look at it objectively, right? This is where we start to, to disengage from that. Like, I have a different expectation than you do. Therefore, how can we ever see the world the same way? Yeah. And instead say, well, what is our objective expectation? And we might have qualitative points in there as well. But a lot of times we don't even know what those qualitative factors are that we're looking at. We're just, you know, like, well, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to how it felt when I went through. Right. You know, well, I wasn't paying attention to the user experience, but that was yeah. one of the measures you wanted to look at. And I love that because what you really done there is you're, you're actually having them articulate for themselves yeah. what it looks like for them to be really happy with their decision to purchase. Yes. And That's that, a great way to describe it. Yeah. When you know that, then it doesn't feel pushy or aggressive or salesy. It's like, hey, you know, you've decided that this service can do the thing that you need. And in order for you to be really happy with that purchase decision, you know, here's the proof. So let's let me understand what's going to make you feel that way. Like, what what are you measuring success by? And yeah. um, and what would be fascinating is. Have you, did you did it ever come up in that scenario where you recognized that what they needed for it to be a good experience was unrealistic? Absolutely. And, yeah, and All so the then time. you like abort mission, right? Like, yeah. Well, either that or to say, like, I mean, what happened most of the time was they would set out some expectation, and I would say, well, how are we going to prove that? Mm. And they'd say, well, I don't, I don't know. 
And I, well, and then I'm I, setting myself up for failure. You know, like, well, you know, well, we're expecting it to, you know, to close our month end, you know, 10 times faster. Well, how long does your month end take now? We don't know. <laughs> how, how would you like, how would you like us to prove that then? Like, you yeah. know, like, how are we going to get there? You know, and then, but it really did make them think, right? Cause I'm like, well, listen, I, you know, like, and it, it I love the, what you're saying about getting them to be part of the process. Yeah. Um, I've actually, I'm working, um, I'm working with somebody right now on kind of setting up POC criteria and looking at what that looks like. And, you know, one of the activities that we're doing is going through the process of saying, you know, here are for clients that don't, cause a lot of time clients don't understand how to set up their, their criteria criteria, you know, they don't understand how to set up their criteria for success. They don't know how to name success because it's not a process they've used before, not a product they've used before. So we're actually coming up with a list, almost a menu of if this is your business goal. Here's what a POC, here's what an appropriate POC would look like. Mm. And if this is your goal, here's what an alternate POC might look like. Mm. So Either you can come up with a POC that we can all agree, or you can pick one from the menu and we can make sure that we can deliver it in the right time frame. because that's the other thing. When you think about this expectations, it's everything from how long is it going to, ex- what's the expectation of us getting this installed, set up? What's the experience? How long is it going to take me to get them trained? There is so much room for error in a sales process. Mm. So much room for error. And expectations to be unmet, particularly expectations that you didn't know about. Oh my gosh, those unknown expectations that you didn't deliver. You know, it's, it's like that thing where like the guy doesn't bring you flowers and you you're mad, but he had no idea that you expected him to bring flowers. Exactly. How does anybody operate under those circumstances? Where is my glass slipper? All right. Where is it? He was totally let me down. And he's like, I just showed up. I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is why I always tell my dates, please, you know, park your horse and carriage outside the front door, you know, shake hands with my father. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> do all the things, do all the things. Yeah, you give them, you basically give them an itinerary. I do. I do. Yeah, well, that's fair. You know, it's, it's, you can't be disappointed under those. So, so here's, so here's the question that I would have for you, right? So this is definitely in your wheelhouse. So, you know, we've got this situation where I'm being, I'm being, you know, kind of bombarded by expectations or I'm failing to meet expectations that I didn't even know were present. Mm. Is that a thing? And how do we deal with that in sales? And what if I'm under expecting or over expecting? Like, does that happen? And what's the price of that? Yes, yes, yes. And absolutely. Um, (laughs) So I think there's a couple different ways that I want to really invite our audience to think about this. So because there's expectations we have for ourselves, there's expectations we have for others, right? So let's kind of separate those out. I think the processes and how we can equip ourselves to be successful in both of those areas is very similar, but I think it's worth looking at them just a little separately. Um, So first of all, with with expectations you have of yourself, and you talked about goals at the beginning of of our conversation, you know, there's, you have a goal that you want to hit, but you didn't really expect you're going to hit it. So it's a kind of like, okay, that you didn't meet the goal. You actually get to be right that, you know, this was a stretch goal and 
and what I, what I look at when I, when I hear that, and I've heard clients do that to themselves forever is you kind of have these two choices, right? You can lower your expectations to match the level of effort you're willing to put in, or you can raise your expectations or, or leave them where they are and increase the level of effort so that you can meet them. In other words, I think a lot of people will lower their goal because they don't want to do anything differently. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, eh, I don't really want that, you know, that big account, you know, it's just going to be a lot of work. And so they don't want to do the work. And so they downplay the goal. And what I'm constantly Mm -hmm. doing in my coaching is to just say, well, let's pretend that we left that goal where it is. And we looked at how do you shift what you're doing to reach that goal? Like if you note, if you're measuring and tracking the activity that you're doing on your way to reaching that goal, that expectation, then you are, you know, if that's not enough activity, then let's shift the activity Mm. so you can meet it. And what happens is, by shifting the, the level of activity, your expectations shift along with it. Yeah. So I expect I am going to be more fit and healthy and I know what my measures of success look like. And if I had that expectation, but I didn't ride my Peloton every day or incorporate stretching or some of the other things that incorporate measures of success for me in that domain, then I'm not really setting myself up to meet that expectation. I'm not, I don't really expect I'm going to make it because I'm not doing anything different. Yeah. So it sounds like, so what you're suggesting is that if you have these stretch goals, um, again, it's still a goal unless you put enough, enough parameters, enough components in place so that you can go from having it be a goal to having it be a legitimate expectation. Yeah. So expectation is almost, it's a certainty, right? This, you know, I expect this is me saying, I am certain I'm going to accomplish this. So you almost have goals and then they become expectations when you build certainty into place. I like that. Yeah. And so, and so you have to put all of these trappings in place, you know, systems, processes, you know, checklists, whatever you have to put in place you know, like, um, habits, everything like that. You have to put these in place so that it isn't just a goal. It's an expectation because you've actually built a system to make it more certain. And if I can borrow something from what you were saying about proof of concept, it's almost as if you are proving, like you're sending out these little, uh, messages to the universe, if you will, um, that it's like, Hey, No, seriously, I do expect to reach this goal because look at all the stuff I'm doing and I'm setting up my life. I'm setting up my sales world so that it's very clear that I expect to meet this goal. And and, and it becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy because you know you're doing what it takes to to meet those expectations. Yeah, I say we call it a Pygmalion prophecy just because I think that sounds really great. It's not it's not right, 
but it just it sounds awesome. And I just wanted to use the word Pygmalion again. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in support of that. Um, I do want to touch on that expectations you have of others for a moment. Yeah. Because um, a lot of the work that I've done in the course of my career has been helping companies get really set up well to onboard their new hires, particularly in sales, right? Because that's, that's the area of expertise. So how do you get a salesperson up and running really quickly? Because if you know, every moment that you have a salesperson on your payroll and they're not selling anything, they're like, you know, learning the ropes, that's a lost opportunity cost. So I want to, I want to shorten the time it takes to get somebody up and running on their own as much as humanly possible. And so one of the things that I always taught my companies early in that kind of a project was to hires this person. And from the moment they walk in the door, actually prior to the moment them walking in the door, you're going to do things. I want to set their expectation that I expect them to be here for a really long time, for them to be successful here, for them to enjoy their experience working here, for them to feel part of the team. I'm setting their mindset expectation before they even walk in the door. And I'm also setting the expectation of everybody inside the company to treat this new hire as if this person was going to have some like magic fairy dust that they were going to spread all over our company and it was going to, you know, 10x the whole thing. And that this person had some secret sauce. This person was going to, you know, have a 50 plus year career here, retire with the gold watch. Do do people actually retire with gold watches anymore? I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but, um, but they're going to like, maybe they're going to take off. They're going to be the CEO of this company, right? This person we've just hired in the mailroom is going to be so integral to our company's success that they're going to then be the CEO at some point. And if you treat people like that from the very first moment, yeah, they step into that expectation that you have of them. Um, children are like that, right? When you let them know you what that you expect great things, not in a, I mean, that could get touchy. I'm not a parenting expert for sure, but um, well, uh, we'll leave that one. We'll leave that example off to the side, but going back to- I don't sale. know, right now you and I both have teenagers. So, yeah, you know, our expectations are really low to be yeah, fair at the moment. True. That's true. That's true. Um, but I did set an expectation for him very young that, you know, my expectation was that he would go to college. He would take his schooling seriously enough to um, make it to that level and have that opportunity to choose that if he if that was the right path for him. Um, but regardless, for sales, we need to set expectations for our sales force, for yeah. our you know, for each individual sale, for certainly for each customer and prospect interaction that we expect that this is going to be a long-term partnership, not a vendor type of relationship and, and how we make sure that we set ourselves up to work with you in that way is we do this, this, and this not, you know, it's, it may working with us may be different than other people that you've done business with in this domain. And here's, Here's why. Here's why we get good results for our clients is because we look at this like a partnership and here's the expectation that we set on both sides. You know what the same, I think that same logic could potentially be applied to the expectation of how long our clients are going to be with us. Yeah. 
I love that. Right. And that changes, you know, if you know, this is one of the tricks actually that I see in sales teams where they've got a new sales team versus, um, versus, a, a an upsell team. Mm. Right. So do they have, you know, are they part of the customer success team, you know, where they're actually responsible for supporting customers and then upselling them when the, you know, and cross-selling them when the time comes and are they net new? Because having those two separate teams, unless they talk to each other regularly and unless they have some common goals, there's a real distinction of what that expectation looks like. Mm. What does success look like for somebody who's in net new sales versus somebody who's in existing sales or existing client support? Yeah. Um, and I could imagine, right, this expect, again, it comes to this expectation. If you as a sales representative knew that you had to face this customer every month an answer for what you've told them and what you've promised them and the journey you've put them on. If you knew you had to face them every single month for the next year or that they would be with you for five years, does that change how you would set the process up? Mm. I, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good way to look at that. You know, I, I mean, we could probably, we could probably talk for another hour on this topic. I think there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack. So I'm happy that this is the first of that four part, uh, our four pack series on this topic, because I know that there's technology you're going to share with us uh, in next week's episode that will help us on this area. And I know for sure on the, the episode that I'll do after that uh, about, you know, what are the words that we use to really set a good, strong expectation at the beginning of a sales call, at the beginning of a new client relationship and, and what are those words and what is that framework? And then we have a super, super, super special, uh, guest episode that we'll reveal later. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot, I think there's just a lot here. Um, yeah. I, one of the things that I really liked that you talked about in, in terms of that proof of concept and really getting clear about what it is that will make them happy. Like really, we need you, Mr. Prospect, to get really clear about what it's going to take for you to be super happy with this so that we can meet that expectation. And I think, man, if more sales professionals really use that kind of a, a language and a mindset, I mean, you know, we would be the profession that had the, like, you know, had a great reputation instead of, you know, salespeople yeah. that give us a bad rap. Yeah. Well, it'd be great if you said that the proof actually, you know, the proof of concept, you've actually closed the deal before the POC. Yeah. Yeah. The POC is just a checkbox, like That's a contract true. review. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I agree. And I have to say, you know, from my side, you know, I love the way that you, you know, th this whole idea of understanding that there are the expectations we have for ourselves and the expectations that we have for others. And I think that there's a lot of value as sales experts and experts across the board of really being super honest with yourself about what you're expecting. Mm. And then I would probably add to that, that when you have expectations that, you know, I would, my big kind of takeaway for that is to tell people what those expectations are. Yeah. Because how can anybody meet an expectation they don't know exists? Exactly. And most of the time, people just want to make you happy. 
They do. They do. It's not that they, you know, they're intentionally going out of their way to disappoint. Right. You know, they, they just need to know what you need from them. Exactly. Uh, I think, you know, that's, that's a good lead into what I'm going to be talking about next week, which is I'm going to really be talking about how do we set up expectations um, practically in a real world scenario. So we're going to be talking about like, if I go and get on a, a virtual call with somebody, or if I'm going to ha- use technology to connect with other people, how can I set expectations as part of that onboarding, as part of that startup of the conversation or of the web meeting so that I can set positive expectations about how we're going to interact with each other on the call. Mm. And that will make a big difference because a lot of times those first calls, you know, those, those web meetings, those are our first calls Yeah, and, you know, you're setting the tone, you know, having good, clear expectations, especially when we get into your content merit, because you know, I use your strategies, but having those clear expectations up front sets the right tone for your entire sales process. Mm. You know, I'd almost like to challenge uh, folks to, to, to set expectations of the people that are selling to you. So over the course of the next week, whatever sales situation you find yourself in, a Zoom meeting, you walk into a store, whatever it is, take the lead role of setting the, your expectation, articulate your expectation with them. Because I think that one of the best things that we can do to training and developing our own skills in this area is to practice in the role that, you know, of the customer and, and just see the kind of reactions and see how easy we make it for the people who are selling to you to meet or not meet your expectations. And then it makes it very simple for you whether or not to move forward. Um, but, you know, you like, what if you went into a place and said, I've got 10 minutes. These are the three things I really most need to understand about your product or service. Go, right? Like, yeah. Even just setting a couple of expectations and see how people rise to the challenge and what the yeah. reaction is. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think, you know, next week I'll actually talk about the way in which we did that. And I'll also talk about, cause I had a great sales call this week, not great in that I bought, I didn't buy, um, <laughs> but I had a, a really educational sales call this week um, where, uh, you know, my expectations were not met right at the beginning And, you know, that threw me off as a client and a prospect. I was like, oh, oh, we're not doing that. Oh, that's (laughs) not what I thought was happening. And that whole thing that that sets the wrong tone. So, yeah, we're going to totally talk about that. That's very exciting. Awesome. Um, Yes. Good plan. I like it. Well, um, we would love to hear your stories, uh, your examples, your experience with this. So drop us a line. Hello at the smarter sales um, Also, uh, please uh, give us a review. I think that I think this episode deserves a five star review for sure. Um, I know I'm expecting one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's our expectation. <laughs> so don't disappoint us because, you know. Um, being super clear what we expect. Yes, exactly. Uh, but we love those five-star reviews even more. We love the, we love when you take a moment to just type out a few words of what you appreciate about the show, what you'd like more of what you, you know, do we deliver on what we, uh, what you expect? So 
Go ahead and yeah, do that. And I think, you know, again, as always, you know, we get questions asking about how you can work with us, whether it's, whether it's bringing Merit in to provide coaching uh, for sales leadership or coaching on how you onboard your sales team to get that more effective, whether it's working with me on how you integrate technology into your sales processes and what tools and techniques you, technology you should be leveraging during the sales process, or whether you are interested in having the Smarter Sales Show customize an event specifically for you and your organization any of those, we get those kinds of questions. We love those kinds of questions. Um, and so if you want to find out any more information about that, of course, you can always drop us a message at hello at thesmartersaleshow.com. And you can also find more information about what we do at thesmartersaleshow.com on our website. Well, I think that is, a, I'm expecting that that is a wrap. I am Merit Khan, and I am expecting big things for you. And I am Julie Holmes, and I'm expecting you to do big things. <laughs> and uh, you've been listening to The Smarter Sales Show. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday to The Smarter Sales Show. If you want a tech and technique solution to your sales challenge, send an email to hello at thesmartersalesshow.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes. If you'd like a transcript of today's show with links to the tools we mentioned during the episode, as well as reminders when the episodes are released, please visit our website and subscribe to our email updates at thesmartersalesshow.com.